Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So when you look at the 2024 roster for the Georgia Bulldogs, you see, I would say, the most talented and the deepest roster in all of college football there is a reason right now that georgia is expected to be number one in the country for next season but what you also see when you look at this roster is the absence of names that we've grown pretty fond of here around georgia over the course of the last few years so for a moment here i want to talk about players that have not that have been at georgia and had great success that will not be here in 2024 and moving forward And while we talk about the challenge of needing to replace those guys, I kind of also want to just do this from the perspective of, man, we have been really, really blessed with seeing some really good football played by a bunch of good dudes in recent years here. And so as we think back on what those guys were and what they have meant, it'll also give us a chance to sort of talk about, okay, well, how does Georgia move on in the absence of these, you know, fellas moving into a future years? We're going to cover that here right now. And this is sort of in no certain order, and it's probably not an exhaustive list. I'll even mention a couple of extra names, perhaps at the end here. But I just kind of wanted to bounce around and look at a few of these guys for a moment. And some of this, I have to admit, is probably an example of maybe at the time us just not quite giving enough credit where it was due with uh, some of the guys that perhaps you know deserved uh, some of that. In fact, let me uh, do that with you here right now for a guy that I'm quite certain we never gave enough credit to here at UGA and that's a guy like Kamari Laster. now Lasseter the reason why it was possible for him to fly under the radar and in some cases even on like all SEC teams things like that is when you're locking down your side of the field and you're shutting that down sometimes you know that just means you're not in the headlines at all because they're not throwing your direction or whatever else but no one who watched Kamari Laster closely would say anything other than Kamari Laster was absolutely doing his job on a regular basis. NFL draft scouts certainly have noticed that. He's going to be a very high draft pick coming up this spring. But in terms of the list of, you know, who you got to replace and who it's going to be tough to replace the upcoming season, Laster deserves a very prominent spot on that list, both for what he accomplished on the field for Georgia, but also what he meant to the dogs off the field, too perhaps no better embodiment of that than the statement he made right before the orange bowl future first round pick potentially a guy who had the opportunity you would think to opt out but as uh lasseter told us in miami the notion of opting out was simply never on his mind this is why kamari laster is so difficult to replace honestly i'll just say just for the love of my teammates and the love of the game itself you know um I always feel like if I'm able to play a football game, why would I not play? You know, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to, you know, go to school and play football. So, I mean, there's a game on the schedule. I feel like I'm obligated to play. I feel like, you know, I owe it to my teammates. I owe it to my coaches. I owe it to, you know, the fan bases, you know, just give them all. Strong words from Laster. They demand respect. And he's obviously not the only Georgia player throughout the years that's spoken that way. I'm going to go back. Uh, to what last summer you know Cedric Von Prawn Granger the center for Georgia it seems like he was Georgia's center for I don't know half a decade I mean it just sort of feels like he's been here forever and once again in terms of finding that way to seemingly articulate exactly the right message and explain 
what the stakes were for Georgia. And at the time, this is Georgia coming off two national championship seasons with a new team ready to define itself once again. Now, we obviously know end of season-wise, Georgia came up just a little bit short of winning that third straight national championship, but it's not because these players did not fully understand the mission that was in front of them at the beginning of all of this. And the reason why they understood all of that so full well is because of how well guys like Van Praan were at describing what the task really was. And once again, when you hear the words of Van Braun, much like the words of Laster a moment ago, you are reminded about how big a void is left behind now that SVP is ready to move on to the NFL. Here is a reminder of that. Nobody from the previous two teams is going to go out there and play for you. Jordan Davis isn't putting on a jersey this year for Georgia. Like, he's, he's not playing. So it's just understanding that, yes, what those guys have accomplished is great, but this team has not accomplished anything. We have not played a game yet. We have not played anybody. We haven't done anything. So I think it's really just understanding that if you want what they had, you have to work for it. And I think that's just the biggest thing, understanding that all of your opponents are great. All of those guys are going to come with it. They're going to be prepared. Nobody's going to be unprepared. Everybody's going to be giving you their best shot. So it's up to you to make sure that you're working just as hard, if not more, than the guys that came before you. Not easy to find a guy who can play the way that SVP did, but also speak the way that SVP did, really casting the right vision for this program on a yearly basis, on a week-to-week basis. He was so good at that. And another player, if we're making the category of players incredibly difficult to replace for UGA, Kamari Laster, we said, Cedric Von Prong Granger, we just said. Let's talk about Javon Bullard for a minute, too. This is a guy who introduced himself on the biggest national stage possible kind of playing at an MVP level in bowl games and national championships. And, you know, this was a guy who kind of played his best in the absolute biggest games, the absolute biggest moments, but a guy who also seemed to have this innate knowledge of what it meant to represent the state of Georgia and playing for UGA. And for those of us who are, you know, kind of proud Georgians and sort of think of Georgia as our state's football team, not just the football team that represents a university, but the football team that represents a state, you know, someone like Bullard who seemed to have that kind of flowing through his veins, boy, it just you know, hits you, you know, right emotionally the, the exact way you wanted to. And it really emphasizes why replacing Bullard is also such a touch a, a tough thing to do too let's go back down memory lane and remember one of his most famous phrases as well about what it means to represent his own his home state in the uniform that he gets to wear just wearing his g uh, like we said in the room this g is darn it just important as your last name this g is is very important and uh, people love and respect this g and you gotta, it's, it's an honor, it's an honor for us, man, to wear this G. So you gotta respect it, whether you're on the field, off the field, and you just gotta do what you gotta do in order to um, just not bring a bad name to this G and to your last name and stuff. So you really just gotta watch what you do, watch your surroundings, and just keep your head full. It may seem corny, but I do truly believe it's the case that if you've got 11 players in the field who value the so-called G, the logo on the side of the helmet, the way that Bullard says he does, I think as a team, you're probably in a pretty good spot. And clearly that's what Georgia has been over the course of the last couple of years. And if you keep that conversation going about you know who Georgia's had, what it will miss, and the great memories we've all collected while these guys have been doing what they're doing, you clearly eventually get to the name of Brock Bowers there too. We've been on record as saying that Bowers is one of the four best players to ever play in the history of this program. This is, without a doubt, a historic figure. And you know Kirby Smart throughout the years has been very good at describing 
the sort of historic nature of what Bowers has been able to do in a Georgia uniform because he plays the tight end spot, because his success, statistically speaking, transcends what we kind of normally think of as a tight end's role on a team, that if you're making a list of, once again, guys who are almost bordering on being irreplaceable, obviously Brock Bowers would be in that discussion. And back in December before the SEC championship game, Kirby Smart took one more turn to tell us why that is just so true. This is what Smart said back then. It's rare to me to see a tight end and uh, and, and, and do the things he's done uh, as a freshman. I think we're going to see it more and more with these kids coming mid-year because you know it helped Brock to get here and get started like he did and get that um, – that time under his belt and uh, just no moment's been too big for him I mean he's I mean going back to the Clemson game it was just like another game to him and we knew from that game when he started out catching it running after the catch I mean he makes plays that um this guy's going to be a weapon but I'm trying I can't think of any you know been some really really talented freshmen in uh in our conference but um just at that position it's kind of unique so all the names we've mentioned here thus far guys like Bowers or Bullard last or said at Ron Pron Granger they've all chosen to move on to the NFL and will celebrate their careers as they do another name I want to mention here for a moment though is not a guy that chose to move on to the NFL but he's chosen to transfer and Jamon Dumas Johnson you know at some point in time back during the 2023 season occasionally we kind of get caught in the fans crosshairs a little bit fans sort of felt like they weren't always seeing the best of him on the field this season whether that's fair or not and clearly, as Jamon Dumas Johnson gets ready to move on and go and play in Kentucky, most fans would say, I feel really good about what Georgia still has at this inside linebacker position. The veteran Smile Mondin, a guy like, you know, uh, C.J. Allen ready to kind of stake the, the next step up. Redland Wilson, we saw, you know, playing a pretty good bit. Uh, uh, incoming freshman like Justin Williams, maybe even. And it can be easy to get really excited about what Georgia has and guys who are growing into a larger role that you perhaps almost overstate the ease of moving on from a guy like Jamon Dumas Johnson. Now, make no mistake, I think that Georgia will be in good hands when it comes to its inside linebacker position here this year, but I have also heard what some of Jamon Dumas Johnson's teammates have said about him over the years, and I'm reminded that based on their evaluation of him, that finding you know a collection of guys to play without Jamon Dumas Johnson on this team anymore perhaps that's not exactly the easiest feat either in fact for some more confirmation of that let's go back a little while ago Kendall Milton who's always you know so good at describing exactly what's going on what Milton said that he has seen in practice when he's doing battle on a regular basis against Javon Dumas Johnson Kendall Milton's words I think are pretty interesting here this is what he said months ago I see a lot of uh, resemblances with Quay in his game you know when you go out there run routes against him uh, we do the drills where we have to kind of juke him out he's just patient you know he just lets everything come to him he's smart with the game and you know he's a super physical player and I feel like those are all tools that um, kind of make a good linebacker in the long run and I feel like Pop he's going to be another one of those guys that you know steps up on the defense becomes a, a leader on the team. Now, I could have mentioned a lot of other names, too. Mary Smims, clearly going to be a first-round pick. That is not an easy thing to replace either. But I, the players that we focused on, I selected because they were both really good players on the field, but also based on the clips, really valuable parts of this Georgia football community. So you may be wondering here, well, okay, well, what is all this about then? You know, How does this leave me feeling if I'm a Georgia fan? I think it's two takeaways from me on all of this. Thing number one. When you go back and hear what these guys have said throughout the years as Georgia's collected the wins that it's gotten, 
I hope that fills you with as many happy memories as it does me. I'm guessing it probably does. You know, these guys have brought us a lot while they were here, while they were doing what they were doing. Not only did they play the game well, really played the game the right way. And I would say that we're all really thankful for that. And it may kind of be a little bit of an anxious feeling of, okay, well, now it's Georgia football without all these guys we just mentioned. What's that going to look like? What's that going to be like? Are there key leaders to step up and speak the same way that these guys would have spoken in the past? And here's the positive spin on all this here for right now. I think what you see is is a program DNA that's been in place. These guys seem to inherit that from players who played before them. And now it's a new crop of players, and it's their turn to inherit this from these uh, gentlemen as they step away and move on to the NFL. We don't see anything out there that would suggest that transition is not going to occur. Truly a special group that I uh, just shared with you, guys who do leave big voids. But filling big voids is something that Kirby Smart's teams have been doing the entire time that he's been a coach here at UGA. So as we celebrate the memories of the players we just mentioned, we can do so with a lot of enthusiasm about what is coming next. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Breda Pest Management. We are happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us, live on video, typically 10 a.m., radio, of course, on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref Podcast. However you choose to listen to a podcast, just happy to have you a part of the program. And a big thanks to our friends at Breda Pest Management who make it all possible for you there as well. The official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. That means you're going to Stegman Coliseum for a basketball game. Coming up to go to Foley Field for a baseball game. Baseball season will be here before you know it. You're thinking about April and G-Day at Sanford Stadium. All of those venues protected from bugs and critters and termites from our friends at Breda Pest Management. That means you can choose to do business with the same company taking care of all those UGA athletic venues, and I'll give you some bragging rights. Hey, my pest control provider is the official pest control provider of UGA athletics. And while that prestige is kind of nice, what's more valuable than that is the fact that when you make the switch to Breda Pest Management, they're going to put more money in your pocket just for making that decision. That's what Breda Pest Management is all about. So I want you to reach out and find them today. It's BredaPest.com. That's B-R-E-D-A, BredaPest.com. When you make the switch and trust Breda Pest Management as your termite protection company, as your pest control provider, more money back in your pocket just for making that choice. They've been in business since 1975, got 125 employees all across our market area taking good care of folks each and every day, and they are the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. So make sure you find Breda Pest Management online at BredaPest.com here today. It is Mike Griffith coming up. It's Kaylee's Corner with Kaylee Manziel a little bit later on after that. That's kind of a fun segment we're doing here to sort of uh, just kind of spice up the uh, pre-recorded shows here a little bit this week. Good stuff from Kaylee Manziel. We'll do more of that with you here in just a bit. But prior to that, I want to go around the doghouse. And I want to focus in on something that Kirby Smart said here for a moment. Because when you have heard me in recent days talk about my concerns for the upcoming season for Georgia and what would perhaps prevent Georgia from you know winning the national championship again this year, one of the things you've really heard me talk about is that need to replenish the defensive line and kind of get that defensive line in 2024 playing at a level similar, certainly to what it was like in 2021, if that's even possible, given how great that unit was, how many future first-round picks that it had but maybe even also what this group was able to do in 2022 as well. And 
you know, Kirby Smart did sort of foreshadow some of this for us a little bit, if we're honest here. And sometimes I think we think of Kirby as a coach who withholds everything and doesn't reveal anything and everything's very secretive and he never sort of says what it's on its mind, what's on his mind. But if you look a little closer, oftentimes that's not necessarily always the case. Sometimes Kirby Smart perhaps is a little bit more willing to kind of let you know exactly what's going on than sometimes we give him credit for in that given moment if you want to go back to last spring after g-day and talking about the georgia defensive line what it could be what it was at the moment kirby was complimentary of the group overall but was really very quick to let us know even back then that if you were looking for a jalen carter like player or a jordan davis like player or a trayvon walker like player Devonte wyatt that he didn't necessarily see that from this group this was honest it's turned out to, unfortunately, this past year, perhaps be more true than we would have liked. Here's a reminder from Kirby Smart last spring. Really excited about the, the, the group, the depth in that unit. You know, we don't have a dominant uh, player in that unit, but we've got really good depth. And uh, we'll do some things with the backers around them to, to, to create havoc for people. Yeah, and so it's that last part of the phrase that, unfortunately, this year probably was left a little bit lacking, leaving a little something to be desired, that – the need to create the havoc around the defensive line, getting linebackers more involved, it just kind of didn't really happen for whatever reason. And when you look ahead to this upcoming year for UGA, you know, that's really where you define that. I know we kind of have a little bit of a wrestling match sometimes with how much the sacks matter and you know, you know what Georgia can be if it's not any elite you know, sack-producing team. But more than they had in 2023, I think it's pretty imperative. More of the tackles for loss that can also kind of result in forced fumbles and things like that probably pretty imperative there too Kirby Smart said a year ago you know we don't think we have that kind of game record level play in our defensive line and unfortunately that turned out to be right so when Smart says those types of things or when he talks about the defensive line here coming up this spring and starts to give you that preview from his perspective about the upcoming season does that language change and does the belief that Kirby has with his defensive line can be does that seem to have grown from where it was a year ago if so that could true truly proved to be a good sign for UGA. And that is around the doghouse here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pass Management. And before we get Mike Griffith, let me also give you a reminder that at dognation.com right now, you can go and click and enter for your chance to win a trip on the Dog Nation cruise, courtesy of our friends at Kroger. A wonderful giveaway from Kroger. Just wanting to do something nice to take care of folks in our Dog Nation audience and give somebody a chance to be a winner. What an amazing thing that is. So for you and a guest, uh, if you're the winner, you'll be on board uh, a stateroom for two on Allure of the Seas for our Dog Nation cruise. You'll have a hotel room in Port Canaveral the night before the cruise. You'll have some gas card to kind of help you get down to Port Canaveral, a little bit of uh, uh, onboard credit to enjoy onboard Allure of the Seas. It's a wonderful giveaway, and someone in our audience is going to have a chance to win that. So go to dognation.com. You've got between now and January 31st to get that done. Register for your chance. You just simply have to give us your information, but also – you'll let us know your favorite Brock Bowers moment from his career. We just talked about what Brock had meant to Georgia, what he was all about. Give us that favorite moment, and you could be drawn as the winner of our Dog Nation cruise, and you and your guests could be on your way in April with us on board of Lure of the Seas. What a great time that is going to be. All right, so before we're done, as we said before, we're introducing a brand-new concept to you here, a little bit of Kaylee's Corner turning the tables on me, she asking the questions to me. We'll do that before we're done. We'll also continue our SEC preview. But for now, how about Mike Griffith on everything going on with the Georgia Bulldogs here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pass Management. From 
from Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So let me ask you a question, Dog Nation. Are you getting tired of this sweatshirt yet? Hopefully not. We're rolling through here. Fun week for us. I am, of course, taking a little time away from work and uh, happy to be able to put some shows together while I am gone. Our buddy Mike Griffith kind enough to join us here as well as a part of dog nation daily presented by Breda pest management here today mike we appreciate your time and if you don't mind i want to jump right into it here you know i think that you're a very interesting person to kind of help us look at the very new landscape that georgia is now smack dab in the middle of as we head towards 2024 which is an sec that looks totally different than it ever has in the past no more divisions the way in which you compete for a spot in the sec championship game is now different the addition of texas and oklahoma you know can i add some new spice to the league georgia's playing a schedule that this year doesn't look all that different than it's looked in the past but in future years it's going to look a good bit uh different compared to uh, previous years i guess mike if you don't mind me asking this way what's kind of on your mind as we get ready to embrace kind of a brand new look for the sec how are you experiencing this right now um texas you know and you know kind of where i go with it brandon i'm always i'm kind of a big narrative guy I kind of try to look into the future and what does it look like right and, and how is the sec going to play this and the fact that the media days are in dallas this year um, I think we're going to have a lot of Texas rammed down our throats. And I'm not sure how I feel about that, um, but I understand the economics of it. Um, you know, the Dallas-Fort Worth metropolitan area is a top-five market. There's a lot of money to be made there for the SEC, and Texas is a really big brand. So to me, it's, it's going to be the year Texas. Um, you know, I, I know Dog Nation is going to be all over that game uh, in many different ways. Um, so when I think about the future and I think about the SEC, uh, I think about Texas from that standpoint, and then also from the standpoint that they've got about a $40 billion a year endowment, and Georgia's around $2 billion. Um, most SEC schools are uh, in sing- low single digits. Um, I believe uh, Vanderbilt and A&M are over $10 billion, but this is a school with resources. This is a school with in-state talent, uh, and I think there's going to be a, a very big burnt orange wave coming toward the sec and that to me will be the biggest challenge for georgia moving forward yeah i think that's interesting and i don't know if you'll join me in saying this but when we want to go back a couple of summers ago when it was first announced that texas was coming to the sec i think the thought of okay as you said it's a big brand a lot of fans plenty of money but a team that's not really winning very many games in the field the whole idea of like texas is back was this thing that fans used to say in kind of a mocking way because texas seemingly was never back no matter how much hype they might be getting in a given year that's kind of no longer true though at least in my mind they won the big 12 this year for the first time since 2009 they made the college football playoff they you know played hard against uh washington ultimately fell short you have both quinn ewers and arch manning coming back for this season you know they just lost a defensive line coach but they got some defensive pieces in place they're recruiting pretty well just took isaiah bond away from alabama that texas to me mike in other words feels completely different coming into the sec than they did when it was first announced that this does sort of feel like you know kind of a real college football power the kind of you know opponent that georgia has to have great respect for as opposed to a couple of years ago it was big name big game but probably not a lot of actual real you know measurable talent on the texas side that's not really true anymore based on the season they had in 2023 right well they went into tuscaloosa and beat alabama by 10 points brandon and and i don't think an uh, out of conference team had done that uh maybe since nick saban's first year 
you know, and, and it was not a fluke. I mean, they went in there <clears throat> and absolutely controlled Alabama the second week of the season. And ultimately, that's what kept Georgia out of the playoffs. I, I mean, I, blame Texas, blame Alabama, but that game is what kept Georgia out of the college football playoffs, the transitive properties. When Alabama beats Georgia, okay, Alabama has to get in ahead of Georgia. We understand that. It's a head-to-head game. They both have one loss. But because Texas beat Alabama, they have to be ahead of Alabama in the standings, even though they have one loss. So, And then, of course, there were two undefeated. So uh, Texas has already uh, affected Georgia, and I don't think that's going to stop. You know, I, I think it's uh, – I think Alabama is going to, you know, fall off under DeBoer. Um, he's not the bear. Uh, sorry, couldn't resist. Uh-huh. And and I think Texas is going to be the the program that is going to be the biggest challenge for the Georgia Bulldogs next season. Well, speaking of those Georgia Bulldogs, each of our guests this week, we're kind of asking a couple of survey questions to. I want to give you a chance to answer this. You know, I've been over the course of the last few days, Mike, sort of sharing what I believe the biggest issues standing in Georgia's way next season are and i'm giving guests a chance to kind of share their thought there too so when you look at georgia for the upcoming year spring practice now a few weeks away a couple of months i guess still away what would you say the biggest unanswered question is around georgia for the upcoming season wow well as we talk today (laughs) because as you know things can change very very quickly so please throw that tape date out again um as we sit here today, I, I think Georgia needs another explosive receiver. I really do. Um, I, I just, I, I'm concerned about that for Georgia. Ultimately, I thought that's what cost them against Alabama. I mean, look, Carson Beck didn't forget how to play football. But Brock Bowers was not 100%, and neither was Lad McConkey, and none of those other guys could separate. We didn't see Dylan Bell make a difference in that game. We didn't see uh, Lovett make a difference in that game. And Carson Beck coming back is very, very big. Uh, but he's only as good as his supporting cast. He's only as good as the players around him. Now, ETN is a huge, huge get at running back. I thought that was an area they really missed the running back in the past game. Um, that will help a little bit with Brock Bowers moving on. As Brock was a guy that could take those short 10, 12-yard passes and turn them into 60, 70. Um, but there's not a game-changing receiver on the roster right now, uh, at least not an established one. And to me, that's a weakness uh, because as good as Georgia's defense will be, and I do believe it will hold up. Um, good offense beats good defense. We've seen some great Georgia defenses get housed by great offenses. We saw Bryce Young put 41 on the best defense of, of our generation uh, in 2021. We saw a 2020 Alabama defense put 41 on another Georgia defense. We saw LSU and Joe Burrow cut through another. So as good as Georgia's been defensively, um, you've got to score points. And I think Georgia needs to get a dynamic receiver uh, with with McConkey uh, moving on, uh, and Brock Bowers no longer there. To me, this is a hole in the game. This is something they have not adequately answered in the transfer portal at this time of the taping. All right, last thing for you, Mike, is you know you look back on what Georgia's been through: two national championships, twenty nine straight wins. And I do think it's appropriate. I know you've been kind of trying to do some of this at DogNation.com. But I think it's appropriate to appreciate that. I think it's appropriate to recognize that for what it was. And one of the things we're also trying to do this week is taking a little bit of time here just to reflect on some memories. How will you remember that 29-game winning streak, the two national championships? And is there a moment that stands out for you more than any other from that time? Wow. You know, so many 
great moments. Um, I'm going to go all the way back to near the beginning of it. I, I, that win over Clemson was pivotal. Clemson was still Clemson. That game was in Charlotte, North Carolina. That was a home game for Clemson. Clemson was used to playing in that stadium. That was the number two defense in the country. Now, that Clemson team ended up losing a couple games, and they lost a couple of really key players. But Georgia played Clemson at full strength. And that game was everything, Brandon. If they don't win that game against Clemson, they don't get a second chance against Bama. They don't win the first title. And I don't think if they win the first title, I don't think they win the second title. So the, the Clemson game to me was a showdown. Uh, it was a hold-your-breath moment. Um, it turned out JT Daniels was playing with a flak jacket, much more injured than any of us knew at the time. Um, and that Chris Smith pick six. And, and you know, the, and, and the, I guess one of the things I remember, it's maybe funny not, but wasn't even from the field. It was the it was the uh, it was the uh, the gift I guess they made after the game. A dabble sitting in the airplane with DJ Uglale and said, "Look there, dog, you're going to be throwing touchdown passes right there when they're hmm. flying over the stadium." And it shows the Chris Smith pick six. I mean, to me, yeah. that was that was just such an incredible moment. And I suppose the play and. I did this the other day on the Brock Bowers Memories things with the cover fours we do. But that Matrix play was just otherworldly. I mean, I'd never seen a football play that showed so much. I mean, the catch, the run, the broken tackle, uh, the dexterity, the acrobatic move to be able to reach for a first down in that fashion. It, it, it just looked like something out of a science fiction movie. Yeah. And so the, the Matrix play in the Ohio State game was probably the play. Uh, and the Clemson game, to me, was the most important one. Uh, because if they don't win that opener, they're not winning the national title that year. No, Mike, those are obviously great memories and a, uh, a lot of fun to come. By the way, speaking of Clemson, uh, a chance to see them coming up to begin the 2024 season. I know you and I will be talking plenty about that coming up in the uh, weeks and months to come. Mike, thanks for making time for us here. A little bit of a different schedule for us here this week, but we will look forward to reading plenty from you at dognation.com. And, of course, back here again very soon on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. Outstanding. Thanks, B.A. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, coming up in a couple of minutes, the return of a segment that's sweeping the nation. How about Kaylee's Corner back here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pass Manage. We'll get to that. But first, though, let's go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And as I make the transition, of course, many of you know I'm on board Icon of the Seas this week, largest cruise ship ever constructed. Me, among the first to ever step on board. I'm really excited about that, and I can't wait to come back and tell all of you about it. And hopefully the energy around this convinces you that you also need to be a part of our Dog Nation cruise coming up in April. What an experience that's going to be. April of 2024, leaving out of Port Canaveral, going to Nassau in the Bahamas, perfect day, Coco Cay. Unbelievable experience. Also on an Oasis-class ship that means bigger and better than it's ever been before, which also means more specially themed Dog Nation events than ever before there as well. You can reach out to Jessica Slater. She'll tell you about Icon of the Seas or Allure of the Seas or any other Royal Caribbean cruise ship you want to hear more information about. You can give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. You can also email her, jslater at dreamvacations.com. And you can check out the website, royaldogs.com as well. That's the place to go for special information about the Dog Nation cruise. So, reminder here, this is what we're doing 
for this particular time of the uh, week, this particular time of the year. We're sort of in that period where there's the way too early top 25s kind of popping out. Early preseason chatter, we love that around here. So in keeping with that, we're kind of giving you sort of a way too early look at each of the SEC teams. It's kind of interesting too. It's like, for we do stuff like this, there are now 16 teams, which minus Georgia means 15, which means in a week we can do three per day and have it be nice and even. There's something about my obsessive compulsive brain that really enjoys that. But nonetheless, I want to dive back in here with three more teams for today, starting with Ole Miss, and in particular looking at Ole Miss coach Lane Kiffin. Now, you know the story here. Rebels lose Quinchon Judkins off this past year's team. He transfers to Ohio State. But you keep Jackson, uh, Dart, you know, you keep, uh, you know, Trey Harris, you keep a handful of, you know, pretty big-time players, and you go out and you get the Walter Nolans, you get the Prince Uleman, you get you, you bring in some big names via the transfer portal, and it certainly seems like Ole Miss is set up to legitimately be a preseason top-10 team for this 2024 season. And the thing that leaves me wondering is, is, that, is Lane Kiffin ready to take that sort of next step as a coach? At one point in time, it was sort of thought because of the cozy relationship he had with Nick Saban, well, maybe – Kiffin could be a candidate to replace Nick Saban. Ultimately, in this cycle where Kalen DeBoer takes the Alabama job, we're left to conclude that Kiffin never really got any serious thought there, any serious consideration there. It seems like Greg McElroy's reported there was a 0% chance that Alabama would have hired him. But that doesn't mean that Kiffin can't be a coach on the rise. And to be frank, I've been pretty skeptical of Lane Kiffin as a coach. I think that Kiffin's one of these sort of typical sort of Nepo babies that seems to be really good at using his last name to get a lot of jobs. Raiders job, Tennessee job, uh, USC job. But in most of these stops, the only thing that's distinguished and remarkable about his time there was the odd way in which he left. And obviously at Ole Miss, he has a chance to sort of change that. Ole Miss was legitimately pretty good this past season, 10-2. and two, And... I would say with no Alabama on the schedule the upcoming year and their toughest overall game, Georgia being a home game, they have a chance to perhaps be even better than that here this year. And Lane Kiffin, who's mostly been kind of known for social media antics and mostly been known for his willingness to stir the pot, maybe Kiffin now can really be known as a legitimate coach and perhaps maybe he makes Ole Miss a legitimate contender for this upcoming season. Interesting year coming up for Shane Beamer where the Gamecocks clearly are in need of a bounce back and their chances of doing that seemingly are made tougher by the fact they're no longer in the SEC East. But this is an example of one of the things that sometimes, you know, kind of you know works your favor there as well. Moving forward in future years, they will not be playing Georgia on a regular basis as frequently as they have been in the past. But ultimately, this is also a Gamecocks program that's still having some success when it comes to high school football recruiting. And I actually think that the overall arrow for the Gamecocks is, to me, probably still pointed mostly in an upward direction here. Obviously, this past year was a little bit of a step back there on that. But I do believe that Shane Beamer is a good coach, and I think he has brought some much-needed energy to South Carolina. And I sort of like the style that he's you know, going – I know he's not everybody else's cup of tea. There's a lot of people who sort of believe that Beamer and Kirby are not necessarily the best of friends, and so that puts Beamer at odds with a good number of Georgia fans. I understand why. But I also like the idea of there being – a few different kinds of personalities in the SEC. And I think that Beamer represents a little bit of a different streak than some coaches have. And so 
to the extent that his interests don't conflict with George's, I kind of root for Shane Beamer's success, and I believe they could have more of that here coming up in 2024. I'll also give you one more of these here for a moment, which is funny. <laughs> uh, I was not supposed to do uh, – this is where you get in trouble when you're doing the pre-records. I did South Carolina. I was supposed to be doing a different team. So that's my fault there on that. How about now let me do the one that I was supposed to do based on the rundown for today, which is the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, Oklahoma is a team in the SEC that I do believe – is perhaps flying under the radar a bit with good reason there's attention on texas texas is a bigger fan base texas was probably the team the sec really wanted but you'll take oklahoma anyway because it's obviously a really good program but texas from a monetary business wise sense just much greater value and also based on this past year texas was the the better of the two teams but as you know oklahoma did beat texas head to head in the uh, red river shootout and I do think that 2023 was a pretty interesting year for Oklahoma overall in that Brent Venable showed you in year two that he was capable of being a much better coach than he proved to be in year one. We talked about this as it relates to, you know, Billy Napier didn't really do that year two at Florida. We'll find out if Hugh Freeze is capable of taking that stab at Auburn. These are experienced coaches. In Venable's case, he's in his first two years of being a head coach. But after year one, you kind of wondered, was he just nosediving his way into a failure from the word go? Oklahoma showed no signs of life in 2022. But there were more of those signs of life here for this particular year. And you kind of wonder with the Jackson-Arnold era era getting ready to sort of take place, the quarterback spot. That could actually end up being one of the better overall quarterbacks in the SEC. And what could be a pretty good year for quarterbacks in the lead league, Arnold there at Oklahoma could end up being one of the pretty good ones. And Oklahoma is not going to get nearly as much attention as what Texas is going to get, but a but a pretty good team in this league here nonetheless. And one of those teams where, you know, if you're you know, everybody in the SEC is playing either Texas or Oklahoma. And if you're playing Texas, it sort of feels like you got the big game. And if you're playing Oklahoma, it sort of feels like you got the lesser of those two opponents. But Oklahoma could actually, I think, be quietly a little more formidable than perhaps you're giving him credit for and i believe the presence of arnold there quarterback could be one of the reasons why we'll make that cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and with that said we will turn our attention once again here to kaylee's corner we've done this for two days the last couple of days and it's gone really well both days so here on a wednesday we said let's re-rack it let's bring it out again kaylee football questions other lifestyle questions everything else in between Kaylee's got you covered on all of that. Of course, you see her doing her own show every Thursday and on game day and all the fun stuff that Kaylee's a part of and now here a part on camera for Dog Nation Daily there as well. So, Kaylee, we give you the floor for Kaylee's Corner here today. All right, let's start with our more serious question. Last week, news breaks, Saban's out. He is widely considered the greatest college football coach of all time, what milestones would Kirby have to hit in order to make him the greatest college football coach of all time? That's a good question. So the easiest one of those would probably be national championships. And what I think is interesting about Kirby is, is that as we move into a 12-team playoff era, I do think there's at least a possibility that Kirby could collect national championships at a more aggressive rate than Saban was able to and I know that sounds crazy because of how you know much success that Saban enjoyed but keep this in mind and I've said this before 
is that the FCS, that's the level below the the level that Georgia plays at, the level that Alabama plays at, the FCS, these are the, the smaller schools, they've had a larger playoff than, than regular college football for a long time. And we've seen like an example of, like say, North Dakota State, not as good now as they once were, but at one point in time, they won like 9 of 12 or something like that, that the expanded playoff I think is an opportunity for the better overall teams. And so you're probably thinking about Kirby needing – you know, four or five more championships to perhaps be in that overall discussion. And given how young the Kirby is, and given how I do believe the expanded format, it may even expand even larger than the 12 team format into future years. Given the expanded format, I do think it could benefit the better, more talent rich team. So give him four or five more national championships. And I think you're going to start hearing Kirby described as the true goat. And given how young he is and how much longer he could coach and how advantageous this new playoff format could be to teams that in previous years might would have gotten excluded from the occasional playoff because the committee found some excuse to do it. Uh, I think that could actually clearly be a real possibility for Georgia moving forward. So let me put you in a hypothetical for a second. Please. Let's say the NCAA gives you a little call and they say, Brandon Adams, we're hiring for a new position. You're the only guy for the job. We uh-huh. need you to be the commissioner of college football. What would be the first rule that you instated as commissioner? So I don't know this is a rule. This is more of a practice. But this is the That's thing fine. that I think that college football – has got to get away from you know big words bigger words than i should be using the sort of difference between like say qualitative and quantitative analysis in the future i think that college football has got to pay a little bit more respect to good teams who play tougher schedules in other words in the past college football sort of does what it did this year you see washington they're undefeated in the pac-12 and so therefore well since they're undefeated we're not looking at anything else other than that zero in the loss column we're not going to pay attention to the fact that Georgia is an overall better team. Georgia lost. Washington didn't. Didn't. Therefore, that's all we need to know. That is a quantitative analysis. All you're doing is counting losses. And in the past, no matter what the committee has said, that's all the committee really has done. It's just simply paid, I would say, extra and undue respect to teams in the law to teams that have zeros or ones in the loss column in comparison to others. So, moving forward. When you think about who gets to host a playoff game, who gets to earn the bye, who gets all these advantages that the new playoff format's going to offer, showing some respect for qualitative analysis, actually looking deep to say, I know this team's only 10 and 2, but look who they play. I know this team's only 9 and 3, but look who they played. They are just better than some undefeated or 11 and 1 team or 12 and 1 team that came out of a much lesser league what my hope is Kaylee moving forward and I don't frankly trust the committee to do this but if I had the power if I was the one-man commissioner this is what I try to force them to do pay respect to the better teams playing tougher schedules and don't fall in love with so-and-so team just because they have a, a zero or a one in the loss column let's actually dig deep and try to actually truly investigate who the better teams really are. So I think the burning question that comes out of this is, could you spell qualitative or quantitative? I don't know that I could. I know there's a Q there, and I did learn in school that there's a Q, there's always a U. But once you get past the Q and the U, (laughs) that's where things are going to get very troubling for me, Kaylee, and I think you know that. Uh, So I was just proud of you for the the usage of the words. It was good stuff, B.A. Yeah, listen, sometimes I try to punch above my weight class in terms of overall intelligence, at least making people think that I'm smarter than I actually am. But one thing I am definitely smart enough to know is, is that when it comes to enjoying 
a great weekend or a great fun thing uh, this time of year. No better way to make anything you're doing more fun than with our friends at the Finish Longer. Now, I can spell that. That's F-I-N-N-I-S-H because it comes from Finland. And it is a wonderful ready-to-drink cocktail. Kind of a newish category of beverage. And in this category, we think from a flavor standpoint, the finished long drink truly dominates. So if you go to thelongdrink.com, you can find out where you can pick some up, both the peach-flavored version for a limited time here in the Peach State or the long drink traditional. That's the blue can, the grapefruit flavor, the gin kick, the long drink cranberry, long drink strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume, long drink zero, no carbs, no sugar. Let's face it, after my cruise, I'm going to probably need as much of that as I can possibly get. Uh, no carbs no sugar probably a pretty good decision here moving forward after that either way whichever long drink variety you think you enjoy would enjoy we think you probably will so check them out online thelongdrink.com find out about the story coming to america a few years ago after having been in finland for a long time now here in georgia pretty much anywhere you want to be thelongdrink.com for a lot more on that so I would say it's another successful day for Kaylee's Corner here on Dog Nation Daily. A uh, pretty fun thing to do on a little bit of a different kind of week for us. And so we certainly appreciate Kaylee Manziel. We're really lucky. We have a lot of great folks here behind the scenes. A lot of folks putting in extra work here this week uh, because we are doing some pre-recorded shows. So I am certainly very grateful for all of that and grateful for Kaylee's contribution there too, both on my show and her show and every other show that Kaylee gets a chance to be a part of here around Dog Nation. When it comes to Kaylee and a whole bunch of other folks, some really exciting stuff to tell you more about uh, as we kind of roll through 2024. We'll get to that, though, at some point in time in the future. For now, let's look back to the past. And the past for the Florida Gators has not been very good. Lousy, stinking Gators have not beaten Georgia in a long time. How about 1,173 days? That's how long it's been. That is a number that we're going to watch go up and up and up well into the future. And that is our Gatorator Updater. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Breda Past Management.